Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has got 22 for Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? It is Friday. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. My boy Rajah, I promised everybody he would be back today after a lengthy extended holiday vacation. But Bomb Cyclone got the best of him. The blizzard that ripped through the Northeast had him snowed in. So we'll get him back on Monday, I promise. But no need to worry, because my boy Debo and Hannah Ostopchuk are back with me today. How are you guys doing? Hello, hello. Doing well. Holding awesome. it down here in freezing Florida. Oh, my gosh. It's like 45 <laughs> degrees here. I heard, I heard it was very cold. My wife has been complaining about it, saying she needs to turn the heater on. I'm out here in L.A. still, where it's still – we're not affected at all by it. I think you forget how – like how bad it is. And I have some friends still in Connecticut that are texting me, you know, pictures, screen grabs of the minus five degrees. And it's just, you can't, you can't relate. Like, it's just like, it's oh yeah, so it was bad, but I'll, I'll just, I'll stay where I am and just be happy where I am. It's so true. When I used to live up North, you like brace yourself for it and you know it. But now that I live in Florida, like, I don't know what to do when it's cold. Like, I don't know how to function. Nothing no. works in Florida when it's cold, but like, and then you have York, iguanas dropping from trees because yes. they're freezing and dying, which I think is great because I can't stand iguanas when they take over your shrubs and everything. I think they're like rats essentially of the lizard kingdom. They're but, scary. They're like dinosaurs. I, yeah. I'm glad they're all getting, uh, uh, all getting done away with. So we got a big show. We're going to do some, uh, picks and props because it's Friday. We're going to do some five star Q and A. We'll cover a little bit of the NBA all star voting, but. We, you know, maybe we'd lead with NFL wildcard weekend, you know, the games that are at hand. But how can you lead with the games when you have one of the biggest soap operas playing out on the biggest stage? My guy, Seth Wickersham, he's a friend of mine. We used to have him on my old radio show all the time. He does a fantastic job. He's one of the most connected guys with information. And he dropped a bombshell of a report on ESPN for ESPN, the magazine. And he had sources staffers, Patriots, players, executives talking about the rift. And it seems very real between Brady, Belichick, uh, Belichick and Robert Kraft, that they're having some serious disagreements. And really the kicker is when the lead of it said, could this be the end? And it is crazy. But the thing is, I don't think it affects their run for the Super Bowl this year. But I do have some serious concerns about what it means for these guys moving forward. Why do you think it doesn't impact them at all this year before we get into next year? Because I feel like all these players involved, like all the key players, these three guys, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady, I feel like they're such fierce competitors that they can compartmentalize things and that they realize, hey, we have something, the chance to do something super special. We have this chance to go for six that they'll... And they, they probably won't talk to each other. And it sounds like it's that bad where they might not even acknowledge each other in the hallways. Uh, but they'll be so focused on what's at stake that they'll be able to shift it back to post Super Bowl. And I think in foot, like it's one of those things where that could be a, a help for them to like help get them through this because they have something at hand. But as soon as the Super Bowl's over, like I'll be really curious to see what the vibe is like if they win it in that celebration room. Like, cause there's always a huge party and we've seen the pictures of Brady dancing and Gronk going crazy after he was hurt and didn't even play. Um, there's crazy parties after the Super Bowl. I would wonder if they all go, what is the vibe like? Like, and it, I can only imagine if they lose. Is like, Belichick at those parties though? <laughs> Heck yeah. He's at, you haven't seen him there. He lets, he lets loose a little bit. He's got his hot girlfriend. <laughs> you know, what? There with him. Oh yeah. He's, he's always there. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think, but it does, there were a couple things that really stood out. Like the one, the, the thing that I was most fascinated by wasn't really the rift, um, in all, in the, the, cause their egos are very real. Like egos, no matter how much success you've had, it egos creep in and some certain guys want to take more credit. And I'm sure that's a very real thing. But the thing that was fascinating to me was, this relationship between Brady and his trainer and his trainer, Alex Guerrero, who just three weeks ago, probably three weeks to a month ago, 
there was this big report that he was kicked out of the locker room, didn't have access to the team plane anymore, and that, you know, that was this this kind of Belichick-Brady rift, and this is kind of where it all started. But the thing that was fascinating to me was with Brady, the harshness he had toward Garoppolo. Like, I knew he wasn't exactly the mentor to his uh, backups and younger quarterbacks on the team, but the, the, the funniest thing in the story was when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt when he was playing during the suspension – and he needed to get treatment. And so he went to Brady's trainer to the facility outside of the Patriots, you know, it was uh, off, off, um, uh, campus or whatever you want to call it, where they are. And he goes to the facility and they're not there. And he said he had an appointment set up and they're not answering the door for him. And I was like, man, I was like, if that's the lengths Brady will go to to kind of spite his backup. I was like, that is cold-blooded. That is <laughs> That's so cold. That's a side that you don't see. Took him two weeks, but he eventually got that appointment with Guerrero, but still. Yeah, after he was already fine, like after the injury kind of went away after that. So you so, think this was more like a, a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation? We just didn't hear about it. We kind of knew that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along while they were in Green Bay together. We didn't know this before today about Brady and Jimmy G. And I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like... Jimmy G was that upset or that they were, they were, you know, like, cause it seemed like in those other relationships, they were more public, right? Like the, the press started to know about it. They started to know that Aaron Rodgers wanted to play. And that's the one thing that's impressive and why this story is such a bombshell is because the Patriots almost always keep things in house and there's never, you don't hear these types of, of stories get out. Like I they love this don't story. Get out. I love the story. I want the Patriots dynasty to just like completely crack. And I love the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is like coming out like the nice guy here. I am totally team Jimmy G in this scenario. I just hate Tom Brady. You've been on two shows, but remind people why the dislike for the Pats. <laughs> if they don't know it yet, I don't know what you're doing. I, first time listening. Bill's Mafia. I am a member of that club and I stand firm on my hatred of the Patriots. And I just, I, I've always liked Jimmy G. I thought he was a good guy. And I hate the story because, I, I mean, it just proves that Tom Brady is, oh, I just want to say What? That he's things. the best ever? And no, he's, he's the, the worst the guy. He's the worst guy. He is just so annoying. He's so, like, I just want him oh, to sit down. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. See, I have a man crush on Tom Brady. Oh. Like, the, And by the way, the only way this story could have been better is if Giselle had gotten involved. Like, and she was upset. I'm all for Giselle. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that would be the only way this story could have gotten better. But I'll say this, because I think, I think one of the biggest problems is, and this is very interesting and fascinating to me, how Brady's trainer is really the crux of the problem. And I'm sure people on the outside are like, well, how can that be? Like, how does that happen? And I think it kind of speaks volumes to Brady's desire post-career to be this cutting edge health and science and fitness guru. And so when I was, and I'll never forget this. So when I was on the Broncos, Mike Shannon was the head coach of the Broncos. And we had our introductory meetings where it's the first meeting of the new year. And I had just made the team and he's going over like the Broncos um, standard and like rules and practices, things you can't do. Like, and it's like basic stuff. Like you can't be late to meetings, blah, blah, blah. Like stuff like that. But one of the things that really stuck out to me, he's like, we have three things that we don't bring into the locker room. He's like, we don't bring, and he's like, he was very, I mean, this was a serious meeting. He's like, we don't bring politics into the locker room. I don't want you guys talking about politics. He said, I don't want you guys talking about stock tips or investments in the locker room. And he gave examples. He's like, I've seen it tear apart locker rooms. And the last thing he said, I don't want you guys bringing your religion into the locker room. And it wasn't as if he was um, anti-God or anti-Christian or anti-Jewish or any other religion, because we had Bible study and, you know, after practice, and it wasn't like that. But I think he knew that if certain players came in there and started preaching whatever gospel they wanted to sell, it could create tension in a locker room. And essentially, I think that's what Brady has with his guru. I think he has a religion that he is selling within that locker room. And I think it really bothered Belichick, especially the fact that Brady was converting all these other players. And then more importantly, when they start to undermine the job that the trainers and the medical staff are starting to do, 
that's when it becomes a very real problem. And that's that's we, we talked about this when that story was going down. That's exactly what happened. And then when you take away Brady's guy and and all he means to this franchise, I think that's what started to set this thing. And it's sort of a snowball to where we are now, where you're hearing this report. And now is this trainer, this Alex Guerrero, this personal fitness guy, is he going to be one, the guy that tears down the Patriots dynasty? It's unbelievable to think that that could be the case. It's going to be the next head coach of the Patriots if Tom Brady gets his way. Do you think? Well, see, that's the thing. Who goes? Like, I, I think they'd be crazy. See, that's where I think in all of this, I think they'll, they'll all, like, cooler heads will prevail. Like, I, I think like they'll, they all need a month off. What's that? Tom Brady's so old anyways. Like, he's on his way out. Oh, stop. He's not <laughs> old. I, I think he has. I mean, so I got crushed when he was 39. I thought he had three years left okay. of elite level play. And so he's gotten two out of them because he had his 39 year old season. He has 40 year old season mm-hmm. this year and he's gotten those. And I still think he has one more year left. I'm starting to see like, uh Oh, he's starting to see the end of it. One more that, year. That, that's it. Yeah. Because even in, in that report, the stuff that was kind of subtle details was when he was missing more time and practice than he ever has. And they said he's changing some of his reads and getting rid of the ball faster. I was like, uh oh, like that's, that's not good. So I almost feel, but that, but I don't think Brady's okay with one more year. Like I think he wants to play until he's 45. Right. That's the biggest seller to Giselle his Giselle wants book. him out. I know that much. Yeah. She's tired of the concussions. She wants, but here's, here's what's really, um, an interesting aspect to Brady. And I don't know if you guys remember this because it was a really long time ago. I think it was after his second or third Super Bowl. They did a 60 minutes profile on Brady and he talked about, that winning a Super Bowl, as much as everybody talked about how great it is, he still said he was very like revelationary or revealing. He said, you know, it, 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 it's good. He said, but I always feel like there's something more. And it was kind of sad because I think a lot of players invest so much and they think the Super Bowl is the end all be all and they get it. And then they're like, Oh, this is it. Like I, and I think Brady feels that way. So I, I, that's the sad thing to me. And there were a couple comments in there where it said, you know, he has this intense desire to be great and yet there's this insecurity. And I think he desperately wants this TB12 method to be the thing that he falls back on. Like John Elway has the Broncos. He's the, you know, I think Peyton Manning will get into a front office or maybe even a coach at some point. And I think Brady, this is his transition that he wants to have to fall back on. And I think that's why it means so much to him. Cause otherwise I think he would just say, Sure, Bill, whatever you want. I'll just kick him to the camp. I'll kick him to the curb. I don't care. I want to win championships. And that's why this is kind of festering so deep uh, behind the scenes. So, so who do you think is the last man standing in New England? I think Brady, if he wants to be, because Kraft and Brady are, and I mean, obviously the most important person in all this is Kraft because he calls the shots. He's the guy writing the checks. He's the guy who owns the team. And it feels like Brady won this battle and even Seth Wickersham put it in the piece. He's like, the players in the organization were saying it felt like Brady won. And I think that would always be the side of it. Because I think Belichick is a coach and he's cutthroat. And I think he knew the end was coming. And I think that's why he had Garoppolo. And he was like, I'm ready for an exit strategy. Whenever we need it, we're ready to go. And Kraft is thinking, hold on a second. My boy Tommy is a patriot for life. There's no way I'm going to do it. Like, he's going to let Brady go out, even if it's ugly. But the fact, I think they need each other, um, because if Belichick goes, I think that's, that spells the end for Brady. Yeah, they definitely need each other. Yeah, but I also feel like if Brady goes, especially with Garoppolo, I don't think they're gonna find, cause I, I, I think this, I always give Brady as much credit as Belichick. I think they both deserve equal amounts of, of credit, mm-hmm. but without each other, I don't think either one of them have anywhere near the success that they had together. I agree with that. It, yeah. It's- incredible just the length of their dynasty because mm-hmm. we've seen it in in football and in other sports that's why the bulls could have had nine ten titles the lakers yep. in the early 2000s could have had seven titles that's why we give the spurs so much credit because of their egoless star tim duncan and egoless coach greg popovich they withstood the test of time and it's final i mean the egos have been there for brady and belichick but i think it's finally catching up to them which is fine because it's almost been Two decades, but this off season, I just we'll, we'll see. Belichick really wanted. It seemed like to set up a legacy past him, and that's why he wanted to hang on to Garoppolo. 
Um, he's doing a lot of things to set the Patriots up for success after he leaves. And Brady, I don't know if he really cares. Right. Which is why I'm exactly. surprised that Kraft would side with Brady. I, I get the angle of Patriot for life. But if Kraft wants sustained success, I think Belichick is the guy that you side with. I would agree with you. I would say that, too, because I think Belichick has shown an ability to spot talent, to get quarterbacks in there, to have a plan. And I am with you. Brady, even as much as Brady, I'm sure, is appreciative to the opportunity and to Kraft, he doesn't care about the future. Like I, it all, The way he sounds spiteful of Garoppolo, I think Brady almost wants the Pats to, to lose without him. Because what do you hear in the Brady-Belichick uh, debate of who means more? Everybody always goes back to Matt Castle and says, well, when they didn't have Brady, they were 11 and 5 with Matt Castle, who was, you know, by a journeyman quarterback. And I think that really bothers Brady. So I think there's no doubt that Brady's just done with it. Like he's like, oh, I don't care. I want them to lose without me. But I don't know. We're going to see it all play out. <laughs> real who quick. Fine by me if that happens. Yeah. Danny, real yeah. quick. We talked about the trainer. We talked about Garoppolo. Something that was interesting to me, we know that. Belichick is tough, and he gives Brady tough love, and Brady's been able to handle that for years. But the, in the piece, Wickersham said that it's finally getting to Brady. Brady's kind of adopted this positive mindset with the TB12 method. Uh, Belichick, as you can see in his press conferences, a cynic is a fair word to describe him, negative a fair word to describe him. Belichick hasn't given Brady the Patriot of the Week all season long. <laughs> the dude's going to be the MVP of the league, and he hasn't been the Patriot of the Week. That is, I did that is so that. good. <laughs> I I love that he does that. I love that Belichick does that because I think that's what Brady needs. He thrives with his chip on his shoulder, like I'm going to prove to you. Because I think in the end, like he really wants everyone's approval, like, and that's why that's what you do. Like you want to prove to everybody that you're wrong, that you were wrong. You think you think I'm you think I'm 40 and I can't produce. You're wrong. And Belichick, by him doing that, is refusing to say, yeah, you're still good at 40. And I think Belichick is the evil genius that's pulling the strings behind all of this. I think Belichick knows that. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to keep him pissed off because that's when he plays his best. Like, I think that's when Brady plays his best when he plays with that chip on his shoulder. So maybe he'll get it if they win their sixth Super Bowl. Maybe that's when he can get Patriot of the Week. So I think that was a, that was a good note, uh, Debo. So all right, let's move on. Let's get to some... um some college football. I know we're going to do a heavy preview when Raja gets back on Monday for the national championship game. But one of my favorite stories of the entire season has been the UCF Knights. Central Florida, incredible season. I've been backing them all season long. I was extremely nervous about their game with Auburn because I had said about a month ago uh, that UCF could play with anybody in the country. And I really believe that, but when they were facing Auburn and when their running back, Adrian Killen, said they don't know speed in the SEC like we have at UCF, I was like, uh-oh, why did they, why did they kick the, you know, why did they wake the sleeping giant? And I was nervous for that game, but they whooped them and it was no doubt about it. They won the game. They won it handily. And now they're gloating a little bit, which I have absolutely zero problem with. They're claiming a national championship. They're going to hang a championship banner. They're even holding a parade. They paid out their coaches national championship bonuses that were in their contract that said, if you were, if we win a national championship, you get bonuses. They've totaled $325,000 that they paid out to their coaches. I absolutely love this story. I have no problem with it. And the people that are pissed off, it's a lot of SEC fans. It's a lot of people within the state that kind of are local. They're bothered by it. And I think it's ironic that the SEC fans are bothered by it because I think no, but no conference in the country has more made-up titles than the SEC does. And they're going to go after UCF, who's a group of five team who just ran the table and ran on their parade. I think it's ridiculous, and I love that UCF is doing it. I love that UCF is doing this. I just think it's so cool. I love that they're having their parade at Disney World. Hannah like, and I were talking places. about driving up for the parade on Sunday. <laughs> I have other up. things to do yeah, on Sunday, okay, guys? But, yeah, no, I, I could definitely do it. Listen, I support any any of that, and I feel like they should have gotten more attention. And if this is the way that they want to get it, that's fine by me. It's not like the committee is going back and actually claiming them the national championship. Right. It, right. It, it's made up. Who cares? Right. Like, Who cares? Why are let people them, triggered by this? Let them have their 15 minutes of fame. They deserve it. Everyone else can just let them have it. Focus yeah, on so what. I was, yeah. So I, I sent out, I said that on Twitter about the SEC having made up titles and I took some heat for it and people were mad at me. So I like, I did a little research. I was like, all right, let me go show people. So the Auburn, and this is funny because I, 
So I looked on Auburn's website because I knew they had a couple undefeated seasons. And they have a team picture. And above it, it says undefeated 1993 national champions. Oh, coming at your spot, Danny. What's that? (laughs) Coming at your spot, right? Yeah, exactly. So I said it. So I said, I said, there it is. I, I screen grabbed it and I showed it. So then I had these Auburn fans come at me and they're like, no, 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 we don't claim that one. You know, it's not, that's not your fake news, Danny. Here it is. So I got it off of their website. Now they basically do the same thing. Like, the, and then, so I was giving them heat and going back and forth. So I was sending people the link to their official website and that they didn't want to hear it. Like, it's just one of those things that they're never going to agree to. And so then I go back and they have it for another one from 2004 when they ran the table. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, they the gave out rings for that one. Yeah, exactly. There are rings made that say national champion. So I don't, I don't get why they're so mad at UCF. I love the UCF story and I'm glad they finally made me look smart because my picks have been not so hot through the playoffs when I picked both Clemson and Oklahoma, which I was 0 for 2 on in the playoffs. But that's all going to change for the championship, which we're going to pick on Monday. So, all right, let's get to uh, my favorite segment of our show. Let's go to Here's What's Happening with Hannah. All right, guys, Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier suffered that scary injury last month. He underwent a spinal surgery, and now, according to his father, he has regained feeling in his legs. So Vernon Shazier says that he also believes that his son will play football again. Thank goodness. You know what's You know what's surprising to me is I had assumed that he already did. Like, I'm a little bit alarmed that it took this long, and thankfully he did, but I'm surprised it's taken this long. And I think it's great because we saw him at the – the thing was the Patriots game when he was waving from the box. And I remember talking to you guys about it. Like, well, was he moving? Was he in a wheelchair? What was going on? But thankfully he's, uh, he's back to moving. So that's good news for the Steelers and more importantly for Ryan Shazier. It's fine. Yeah. It's good to finally get some good news out of that story. So another thing going on Serena Williams with an all time performance at last year's Australian Open winning the tournament while eight weeks pregnant. We all know we found that out later. So now four months after giving birth, the 20, 23 time Grand Slam champ has decided she's not ready to go back-to-back withdrawing from the Open, which is 10 days away. I can't believe that this is even a headline because, like, of course she's not going to play. Like, she, she did already... play last week, though, and decided. What? She, she's five months removed, right? She's five months from having September the baby, September 1st, correct? she had the baby. I... What's that? September 1st. Yeah, so suck it up, Serena. Let's go no. play some tennis. <laughs> I totally disagree. I I cannot believe she played tennis while she was eight weeks pregnant. Like that's enough. Like she could actually retire now, and I'd be like, you've done great. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just you. I'm I'm obviously being sarcastic, very sensitive <laughs> to any mother that's had a, a newborn. But I think this is her call. Like if she doesn't feel, and she's the she wants to win Grand Slams because she's going to add to her legacy as the greatest women's tennis player of all time. So maybe she played last week and didn't feel that great. You know, didn't feel like up to her usual self as far as quality of play. So I have no problem if she wants to sit back and wait till she's 100%. Yeah, she'll get that body back another way. <laughs> It'll yeah. all be fine. All right, guys, former Celtic Paul Pierce, known as The Truth, he was very honest yesterday, saying that he doesn't want to share the spotlight with former Celtic Isaiah Thomas. Now, Pierce is scheduled to have his jersey retired in Boston on February 11th with the Cavs in town and the Celtics preparing to show an in-game tribute. Pierce is just not a fan of that idea at all. Uh, egos. I'm telling you, egos get in there, right? I mean, it always affects everything in sports. And I think people, uh, athletes as great as they are, are sensitive and they're, and sometimes they're insecure. So I haven't, I don't, I think it's just kind of the human nature of stars that we don't see. Yeah. I think it's funny. I mean, sharing the spotlight is, is always better, I think, but I do too. I agree with you, but I think you're underestimating the egos of guys, especially when they're done playing. Like yeah. that they want to be given more props for what they accomplished in their career. Yeah. If only yeah. Tom Brady would just be in that category. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to a little NBA because uh, the Warriors, they topped the Rockets who were playing without James Harden, 124-114. So truth serum, little truth serum out here. Uh-oh. So I'm doing so I'm doing some work with FS1, filling in with uh, Colin uh, on his show, Killing Speak for Yourself. It. Killing What's it. that? Oh, Killing yeah, thank it out you, there. Thank you. Killing it. No doubt. Killing it. Um, when we do NBA regular season topics, it's really hard for me to get interested because I feel like the Warriors are a slam dunk to win another title. And I think if you try to create any team, like any picture of this team could knock them off, I feel like you're being disingenuous because I think everybody knows this super team is unbeatable. And yet, 
I feel like we have to have those conversations because what else are you going to talk about? <laughs> right. I mean, it is just, it, it gets kind of frustrating. Do you feel the same way in the NFL with the Patriots this year? Or is that more wide open? No, I think, cause I think, in the, I think, see, different. here's the thing. In the NFL, there's one game, right? right? So in any one game scenario, the Patriots could have a rough game and could get beat. And I'm sure that could happen in a series when you're playing with the Warriors. They'll absolutely, like last year, they won 4-1 in the finals, but they were clearly, I think they could have swept the Cavs if they want to. And I think there are instances when a team might get a game or two, but when you're in, when you're in a seven game series, the best team is almost always going to win. Like you'll see some epic efforts, but for the most part, you're going to see the best team win. And for that reason, that's why I feel like the Warriors are just going to sweep. I think the more interesting storylines are coming out of the East. And I, I feel better about the Celtics as a potential upset for the Cavs and maybe knocking the Cavs from their perch and keeping them from returning the finals where I, and I feel like that's a genuine conversation that you can have, especially with Isaiah Thomas coming back and who knows how that experiment's going to work with LeBron. And granted, if you put me to the test, I would still probably pick the Cavs to get there, but I think it's much more wide open. And that's what Toronto is at the two seats. So they're even playing good too. So I think the East is way more interesting from a conversation standpoint. Like the, the, the Rockets, good, you know, cool story. It's fun. But they're not going to knock off the Warriors by any means. And I think people got excited because at the beginning of the season and a, a little bit now, the Rockets seem like legitimate competition, but it's a totally different story when you get to the playoffs. But I guess when yeah. our off-the-bench listeners are watching FS1 and Danny talks NBA, <laughs> know <laughs> that he doesn't believe a single word he's saying. No, 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 no. Nah. That's not true. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I try to avoid any conversation that says, hey, can the Warriors be knocked? You know, who can beat the Warriors? I try to go away from those. So it's not manufactured. Promise. Come on, you don't, don't think people. Gerald Green is a big addition? Twenty nine <laughs> points last night, thirty points a couple right, nights ago hair, to the Rockets. With that hair, look at that. <laughs> yeah, which took two hours to get done. Apparently, he could be an all star. Uh, yeah, exactly. Speaking of all star, um, so the all star return. Which, how do they do this, Debo? Because you're more dialed into this. Because they just they start releasing the fan votes now. Right, so fans could start voting 12 days ago. This is from NBA.com. You can vote on the website. You can vote on the NBA app, Facebook, Twitter, Google search, Alexa. You can tell your Alexa, hey, I want to vote for Lonzo Ball. Oh, um, I have an Alexa. Very cool. You going to vote for Lonzo? Uh, no. I'm so, a Lonzo. I'm so not all a Lonzo. these options. It used What's to be it? the little punch-in ballot that they would give away at the arenas. Do you remember yes. those? Now it's online. It's social media. It's Guerrilla marketing at its finest. Alexa's the worst invention ever. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, like, my daughters love an Alexa. I just ask it for like dirty jokes the whole time. I don't really know what to use it for. <laughs> I like. I just feel like it serves no actual purpose. Also, when you have a friend visiting and her name is Alexa, it's difficult. Like things get things get difficult. I don't yeah, know why I nobody thought that. I could see that being a problem. I could see that being a very real problem. Anyways, but you should totally use it to vote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't love. I I hate the fan voting. From a legitimacy standpoint, like that we should actually use that as a means to pick the all-stars because we've seen it over and over again, whether it's in baseball or basketball, when the fans do have this power, they, they love to wield it. And so they'll go on these campaigns for players who clearly have no business being in the all-star game. And they do it because they think it's fun. It's funny. And it shows how great their fan base in when some players have some very real bonuses that are at stake in their contracts based on whether they're an all-star or not. Like, I think if the fan vote is there, it should account for 1%. (laughs) Like, like literally almost nothing. I think at this point, it's bad work by the agents if they include that all-star because it is so (laughs) up in the air. So to be clear, fans account for the starters at least. Fans account for 50% of the vote, while the current players and the media split 25% of the vote each. See, that's insane. 50% of the power that they have is going down to them. That's insane. The one thing, my favorite aspect of the All-Star game is the new format. The fact that you can have dudes from the East and West playing together, because that's what they're going to do, right? They're going to have captains, and they're going to let them pick their team, their squad, right? Like it's five-on-five, pick up, oops, let's go. All I I keep thinking is how's the guy that gets picked last going to feel? Because that guy hasn't gotten picked last in his entire life. He he was the dude getting picked first in gym class for the one picking teams. How's that guy going to feel? I love it because he'll probably feel insecure and because of the egos that are in professional sports. Maybe he maybe he fakes an injury. I hope it's Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh, that'd be great. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on to some picks and props. Let's make some people some money, although uh, according to our records, they'd be barely hanging on by a thread. 
Yeah, <laughs> and Danny Raja isn't here currently. He's four, five, and one, and he's going to miss another week. Danny, you're six, seven, and one on the season through three weeks of picks and props. A chance to go over five hundred this week with four wild card games, and we have an announcement to make. Anna oh Stopchuk is officially retired, canceled. One and done, guys. Crossed out what? from making. So Hannah went, so Hannah went 4 and 0 and bounced. She's like, she's right. done. She wants, she's walking away with a trophy. She wants is that to it? retire like John Elway, like Peyton yeah. Manning. Go off into the, ride off into the sunset as the hero, go out in a high at note. At the right? mountain t- Oh, wait. Is that what happened? No, she's at the lowest of low valleys. Yeah. What's she go? Two and two, two and two? No. Close. 0 and 4 for Hannah. <laughs> oh, no. Hannah, come in on. Week one. So we're giving her. I just follow my heart, guys. How about we're going to give her a two-month suspension? Does that sound right. good? A suspension. Listen, I'm just another Joe Schmo out here on the streets. It's hard. It's hard making picks. You don't know. You got to follow your heart, and oftentimes your heart leads you to the wrong places, guys. <laughs> I don't knock the hustle, Hannah. You're I'm going right. to let you. Right, you, you make those picks from now on. All right. All so right, we're going to do it. picks and props. Hannah will give us her picks on the props, but not the actual games. <laughs> All right. Starting with the Chiefs, nine-point favorites, hosting the Titans on Saturday. 52% of the money is on Tennessee. They won't have DeMarco Murray at running back, Derrick Henry filling in there. Now, the Chiefs haven't won a home playoff game since 1993. Danny, will that trend break, and will they cover the spread at nine? This is such a big number for the playoffs. It's so big. Like, usually the games are tighter, but... Couple of those. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on the Chiefs. I'm gonna say the Chiefs cover in this one, playing at home. I think they find. I think they're so tired of hearing about either the playoff uh, lack of success or how the struggles early this season when they were imploding and they lost four or five games in a row. They were struggling greatly. I think they have a big game. I think playing at home, and I think the Titans are a mess. There's been some rumors that maybe Mike Malarkey gets fired after the season. I forget who it was, Debo. Maybe you remember there was a player that said Marcus Mariota, maybe it's the play calling is why he had a rough season this year. Like it is a disaster in Tennessee, which is crazy to say considering the fact that they're playing in the playoffs. So I'm going to take the Chiefs playing at home to cover. Chiefs minus nine, Danny says. The prop on this one. So it's an ESPN game. Mm -hmm. And with that, John Gruden probably making his last appearance in the booth with the Monday Night Football team. So over or under, four and a half references to John Gruden coaching against the Chiefs next season. He's going to take over the Raiders and the AFC West. will play the Chiefs twice. This is good because I think they're going to be really sensitive to not over, like overanalyzing it and not talking about it too much. So I'm going to say under, and that would be from Gruden's angle. Although Sean McDonough, he's going to want to talk about it. But I'm still going to take the under because I think Gruden will be icy about it. I don't think he wants to talk about it very much. Danny, you told us on Wednesday how crazy Gruden is in his preparation for games and all the meetings he holds. Do you think he should be privy to all those meetings with the Chiefs knowing he's going to be going against them next season? That's – yeah, I think it will. I think he should. I think it should be okay. This is where – that's if I was the Chiefs, I would probably say no. Because just knowing the way the NFL works, they probably will say no. But in those meetings, certain times they'll give you more information than others. And a lot of times the production meetings are about getting background on players. How's this guy's health? What's a good story? Like, did Alex Smith's wife have a baby or something that week? Like, like, it's all that type of background. Very rare are you getting really quality insight into the X's and O's. Even if you're John Gruden, like he's going to get most of that knowledge from his film study and he might ask a question or two. And if he asks them those types of questions, that's where I feel like the Chiefs could just shut it down and say, no, we're not going to answer that. Because he might ask them, hey, why are you struggling on third down uh, in long in long situations when you go to this formation? Like I could very that could be a very real question that could come up in that meeting. And that's the question that I think Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, might be like, yeah, no, we're not going to tell you that. <laughs> Gruden and Andy Reid, old buds from their days as Green Bay assistants. Hannah, what you got? Over under four and a half references. I don't know. I've been debating this one sitting here. I think under. I think under as well. Danny, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think it's it's kind of still sensitive. I, I don't know, though. Maybe I think it depends on how the game's going. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. If it's a blowout and they have nothing. 
nothing to talk about. Right, right. Like, if they have nothing to talk about, I feel like they'd bring it up. But I, I don't know, though. I, I feel like they won't. Moving on to the primetime game <laughs> on Saturday. The Rams back in the playoffs after a lengthy hiatus. Six-and-a-half-point favorites at home versus the Falcons. Home, I guess, a relative term. A dead-even split on the public money. Danny, which side do you go on? Ah, uh, this will be interesting. So... I'm going to take, so do you guys, Sean McVay was talking about, he and Jared Goff were talking about the experience factor and how they think it's not going to be that big of a deal. I think it is a big deal. I'm going to say the Falcons covering this one, and I'm almost wanting to pull the trigger saying that they win the game outright, but since I don't have to, since I'm getting six and a half points, I'm just going to say the Falcons cover. But I, I love this matchup. I think it's going to be fascinating. I think the Falcons, I think the, a team from the NFC South is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I just think they have the most experience. When you look at the quarterbacks, Goff, Keenum, and Foles, as the other quarterbacks in the NFC representing the playoffs, I just don't see those guys being as scary as Breeze, Matt Ryan, and Cam Newton. So I I, I feel like the, the Falcons are going to get it done. Um, as a bonus, I'm going to make you pick this game straight up. <laughs> oh, why you got to do that? I'll say the Falcons. I'll, I'll go ahead and take the Falcons. <laughs> The Falcons just 1-19 straight up in their last 20 games as underdogs of six or more points. So that's something to note. But Danny going with the Falcons against the spread. The prop on this one, what's higher? We remember the Falcons the last time they were in the playoffs, and that was the Super Bowl. And we remember 28. We remember three. So what's higher? The biggest lead the Falcons will hold in this game, the percent of those dedicated people in Los Angeles. That can name more than five Rams players. Danny, you're out in L.A. right now. If you went out on the street. There's no way people know. What do you think? I'm going to say easily it's that they can't name five players. I think they can name, and they might not even be able to name the head coach. (laughs) I don't know if they know Sean McVay. I think they know Jared Goff. I think they know Todd Gurley. And maybe, maybe they know Aaron Donald, but that is it. There's no way. So I'm saying there's no way they know. I agree. There's absolutely no way any, like if you just like walk down any street in Los Angeles, there's no way anybody knows. I actually think that you should experiment this and come back and report (laughs) to us. Like just ask a random person. If you're going to get coffee later today, ask your barista to name name five people. Okay. Okay. That, that could be true, but just ask anyone. I'm staying next to a really nice mall, so I'll go walk through the mall and I'll just pick out some. I'll pick out some dudes. I'll I say, gotta hey, know uh, who do you. But the best part of those big, who do you like in this game? And I'll probably have to tell them who the Rams are playing, <laughs> and then they'll be like, "Yeah, Rams, we're home, yo, Rams, represent Cali," <laughs> and then they won't be able to name. But I so I'll say the bigger, the higher per, uh, number will be the biggest lead the Falcons have because I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna win. So I think they'll have a touchdown lead at some point. Well, here's the fan base a little bit more passionate. <laughs> Hannah, you've been waiting since you were 10 for this one. Yeah, it's been a long way. On Sunday, Bills Mafia back in the playoffs, but the Jaguars at home, nine-point favorites. Sean McCoy, questionable to play. That's a game-time decision on Sunday. The Bills haven't made the playoffs since 1999. Jacksonville hasn't had a home playoff game since 1999. What gives in this one? Uh, this one's fascinating to me. I just feel the Bills are such a great story, and sometimes you can see those stories translate into something special. But I'm sorry, Hannah. I no. don't think special is going to happen no. with this Bills. Team. If you would if LaShawn McCoy doesn't go down in a heap against the Dolphins with that ankle injury, I feel a little bit better about him. But the Jags defense is so good. I will say this nine is a big number. I like the Chiefs to cover in their game with the nine-point spread. But in this one, I think the Bills could kind of keep it close in an ugly game. I don't trust Blake Bortles. This is the first time they've been in the playoffs in a long time, too. So I think there'll be some nerves and some jitters. So I think the Jaguars are win by around a touchdown. So, all right. So I'm going to – Debo, I'm calling a, I'm calling an audible. We're right. going to let Hannah pick one game because she could be 100%. She has 100%, but I want to see if she can pull away from her emotional ties to the Bills. Hannah, who would you take in this game? What a dumb question. I, there's no <laughs> way I'm pulling away my emotional ties to Buffalo. I'm sorry. You're not even taking the points? You're not taking the points. I, I, I don't, I don't care. I want Buffalo to win this game. <laughs> I don't care if they win this game by like one point. I don't 
care. Buffalo okay. has to win. I'm rooting for Buffalo. I would put all my money on Buffalo. Oh, geez. Don't go there. You should. You could have been safe by saying, I'll never bet for the Bills, but I'll just root for them with all no, I can. So I, now you're going to be broke and devastated. Do you know what Bills Mafia? Like, we are partying like it's 1999 over here. Like, this is <laughs> a huge deal. Um, you know what sucks is I, I was talking to Debo before the, before the show. I can't even watch this game. Guess what I have to do? I have to go to a bridal shower fitting or like a bridal uh, wet. I don't even know what to call that. Wait, like a wedding dress fitting. That's what it is. I'm not yeah, getting married. Uh, I just have to sit there, eat popcorn, tell them they look pretty. It's going to be great. I'm I really going to yeah, be watching the game I on think my phone. You, you fake a sickness starting today. <laughs> to that is awful. Danny, any good excuses? That is awful. You got you to gotta find out a way. Bring your iPad. Something you have to bring. I'll just come with like my full, <laughs> like my chicken wing hat, you know? Yeah. No, just bring buffalo wings and just like have oh, everybody. So then they get all sloppy and they'd have buffalo idea. wing sauce all over like, their no, bridesmaids' dresses. No, she can't dresses. be here. She's too. So too I haven't much. been involved in this. You're saying wedding dress shops don't have big screens with NFL football on? <clears throat> I don't know. I have yet to hold go on, there. Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Because you said I'm trying to figure out what's happening right here. Is it you guys are all going to support the bride, or are you actually getting fitted for your bridesmaids? Your bridesmaid's dress. I'm going to support the bride trial. Oh my dress. gosh! I thought you were going to actually do <laughs> no, something. Like it Wait gets a worse. second. Time out. Oh, <laughs> you cannot. You so have she to can say cheer. there are more important things. No, I can't. Like this has been scheduled since October. This is oh why it gosh. sucks, right? I know. Like weddings. I'm never getting married. Sorry. That, the not. bills were like five and two in October. I know. I know. I just, I can't, I, I can't come up with an excuse. I can't get out of it. I'm just going to have to sit there on my phone. I'm going to have to use all my data. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine because you know what? The bills are going to win. So it's, it's, it okay. might be banned from the podcast. So <laughs> he might suspend you from that. Danny with the bills against the spread. Hannah with her one chance takes the bills <laughs> against the spread. In, unless they win and move on, we'll give you a chance next week. You guys, if they win and move That's on, right. I'm just going to like silently. Do you have anything drop. scheduled for next week? Um, no. Good. <laughs> oh, God. Of course I don't. Maybe I'm jinxing myself. All right. The prop in this one. Love More it. interceptions. Nathan Peterman or Blake Bortles? And I'm going Bortles at minus one and a half. And now, Danny, you know this, but Peterman not scheduled to start. Yeah, what well, the that's, heck? <laughs> that's why I asked you why that was the question. Why I don't is understand Peterman why Nathan Peterman is one. being talked Because about. you know if he comes into the game for... 10 seconds, he'll throw a pick. Right, because he had five it, in his debut. It, it, correct? Are you suggesting that Tyrod is going to be injured? No, I would never do such a thing. <laughs> but it's more based on Bortles and the amount of picks he will throw in his first playoff game, um, something that he has had trouble with in the past. He's been getting better lately. Bortles has been better. His last five or six games of the season, he's actually been playing really impressive. I think the Jags are going to do everything they can to take the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands and ask him to be the game manager. And I think against the Bills, they can get away with that. So I'm going to say under. I'm going to say maybe he has one pick. Hannah. I don't even know why we're talking about Nathan Peterman. Like, I don't even know. I don't like his name. I don't like to look at it. He almost ruined the entire, like, playoff chances for us. No. On to the next. I'm not even making a decision. It's wow. gross. Shot down. That, that reminds me of when I brought The Bachelor up in the, Watch in the props. Now. Yeah. Watch now Nathan Peterman's going to play. I'm going to be texting both of and them. Then, and then I'll be tweeting sense. angrily. Danny, I'll ask yeah. you how to do that. <laughs> All right. You I'm got kidding. it. I'm an I'm expert. Kidding. The last game of the slate, 440 on Sunday, the Saints minus seven versus the Panthers in an NFC South battle. This is a line that's moved two and a half points since opening, Danny. Started at four and a half. New Orleans has beat... Carolina twice this season and those games weren't really close. No, I think this number's way too high. I think I like the Saints. I think the Saints are the team that represents the NFC in the Super Bowl, but the Panthers will keep it close. It's a playoff game. I think Cam Newton, he talked about running the football more. I think he will run the football more, which will give them a little bit more success. So I'm going to take the Panthers with those points. That's way too big a number. The Panthers 5-2 and two against the spread as an underdog this season. We have one more prop. So we talked about the last time the Falcons were in the playoffs and not-so-great memories there. The last time the Panthers were in the playoffs, we remember a poor performance from Cam Newton and a salty post-game performance. So over under a half of a loose ball that Cam Newton dives on in this game. I, t I can't tell you how much I hated that moment in the Super Bowl because I thought it it epitomized Cam Newton. Like, I know the game was over, but if you had any chance of pulling off some miraculous comeback, you dive on that ball. 
and I get you're the franchise quarterback, but you have to get on it. So I'm going to say if it happens, although, nah, Cam ain't diving. He's not diving. So I'm going to say zero. Under. Yeah. So that wraps up picks and props, but we got about a month until the Super Bowl. If you had to put money right now at the beginning of the playoffs on the Super Bowl favorite, and I have the, the spreads here and the lines for you, Hannah, you you can't pick the bills here. <laughs> All right. Although she's the thinking, most money. The payout's great. The it's 125 to 1. But just hypothetically, I'm not allowing you to choose them. Who would you pick at the outset of the playoffs? Oh, this is so not fair. <laughs> <laughs> she's taking the bills. Let, Look, her, let I, her go. I'm an Eagles fan, and I've been waiting for a Super Bowl. Oh, this is true. Just like this you. This is true. This is equally upsetting for you. And in in my heart. I think the Eagles are going to win, and my head says they're going to get blown out mm-hmm. by thirty. And I would not, I would not put money on this. See, you're supposed to follow your heart, like I do. No, that's good life advice, broke. Danny. Danny, who would you put money on? All right, so I think the Patriots probably have the best chance, but I don't want any of that value because there is none. I would take the Saints because I think the Saints have a really good chance. I think they have taken the load off <clears throat> off Drew Brees, which has been really helpful, but they still have him in his back pocket. Their defense is really good. Alvin Kamara has been tearing up the league as a rookie at the running back position. So I would take the Saints for some value. Danny, this this just came to mind, but do you think the Patriots line shifts even in the slightest because of that report today? I know it seems crazy, but it's at plus two twenty right now. Could it go to two forty? If it does, I would buy it. Like if I was if I was looking to bet the Patriots, I would jump all over that if it does. Like I would definitely take advantage of that. Anytime you can knock them down. But it's still not good value. <laughs> like just in the NFL, too many things can happen where you need a little bit better odds. You need to get a better return on your investment. Going back, I will say Patriots, by the way, which I know is the worst thing in the world. Right. That's me using right. my head and not my there heart. You go. My heart says We're buffalo. proud of you. I know. Guys. There you go. I'm All growing right, and evolving <laughs> in the moment. Okay. Let's do some five-star Q&A. It's Friday. Do you guys, anybody come up? So the deal is. If you go to Apple Podcasts, you subscribe to our show, you leave us a five-star review, and in the review section, you ask us a question. We are mandated to answer those questions on air, no matter how ridiculous. Y'all got to get more creative with your questions. Let me just say that. Yeah, exactly. Some of these questions are just like a giant snooze fest. It's fine if you want to know the answers. We promise, though. Yeah, we promise. We'll answer them. But, like, you know, this is your chance. Ask some some dumb questions. Okay. So, five-star Friday. The first one we have, I can't pronounce this guy's name. The Mume Show? The, okay. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. He <laughs> yeah. wants to hear more crazy recruiting stories. Now, this isn't necessarily a question, but we're going to answer it anyway. So, Danny, what you got? So, <laughs> you guys are probably too young to remember this movie, and I don't like dating myself. There was a movie with, uh, what the heck was his name? Uh, the kid from 16 Candles. It was Johnny Football. Hold on. I got, no, Johnny Be Good was the name of the movie, I think. Yep. I'm, I'm familiar I'm super, with that movie. can confirm, not, have not seen that. I yeah, haven't seen guys, it. You guys suck. You guys I'm are sorry. lame. Uh, but there was a movie, and it was about football. It was about – you guys need to go watch it. You guys need to, Have you guys seen the program? Yes. Okay. Hannah, you probably haven't seen the program, but you need to go watch it. <laughs> Based loosely around yours truly, if you look at the uh, football, the number of Joe Kane – 13, Kane, Cannell, you can kind of see the ties. They wore garnet and gold in the movie, loosely based on uh, on yours truly. And clearly you'll see the ties if you watch the movie. So the, the so I was expecting craziness going in, like, oh, it's going to be like that movie was. And it was sort of like we went to some parties and there were some kegs and there were some pretty girls. But I don't know if it got as crazy like as a coach's wife trying to sleep with you on the 50-yard line of the stadium, which is what happened in the movie that I'm referencing. <laughs> so I'm like, so that was that. There wasn't anything that crazy. And like my parents went with me on one of them, like to go kind of like see the school with me. So it wasn't that nuts. Um, that's probably like there was there was like the obligatory strip club visits. Like it's like, but it's not not anything that crazy. I wish there was more money involved. Cause that was the biggest disappointment. It's like I was my, I was very blessed. I had a nice background, but I was kind of looking forward to some cash under the table offers, and I never got anything offered. Like I think the I think the programs were like he doesn't need it. He's not looking for it. So I didn't get any money offered. Like it was kind of boring. So I'm sorry to underwhelm oh, the man. story. 
Yeah, this is why people need to ask better questions, okay? So exactly. Don't put the pressure on you. <laughs> Raja's got all the good stories. Raja might have some good stories. That's true. Yeah, that Boston, BU, man, they, they backed up the truck. All right, Ian7165, he says that there are currently five elite college football programs. Who are two to three that you think have a chance at breaking into the top five, and who is at risk of falling out? Again, this is way too serious, but we'll do it really quick. <laughs> top five is uh, – so there, there are five elite programs this year, but in reality there's about 15 programs that really can win a national championship, and they just cycle in and out. Like the Florida – is in that category who I think could come into that top five, getting Dan Mullen. Um, clearly, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, those are all there right now. The teams that are right on the outside fringe, USC, UCLA, possibly with Chip Kelly getting back in that mix. Michigan, I think, is always a threat. So I think it's like the same players. It's just a cycle, and I hate that. That's one of the reasons I wish UCF would get a chance because I think they could shake it up. But if we don't change the system, the only teams you'll see – are coming from those 15 top elite programs. All right. Houston Josh, he says that I know state of Florida, and in particular Florida State, is known for ability to trash talk. (laughs) Who was the best trash talker you played with at FSU? Also, in the fifth quarter, in the French quarter, were you guys excited to play Florida again, or was it a letdown to have a rematch? Oh, that's a good question. So the only letdown one for me with the, the, the tie, the choke it doke, which led to the fifth quarter in the French quarter is that we didn't go for two. Like I always look back and I'm saying there's no way we wouldn't have got for two because we ended in the tie and then we had the rematch. So it would have been much more of a letdown had we lost to Florida. So I wouldn't say letdown because we beat the Gators after coming back in the tie. So I wouldn't say that. And as far as trash talkers, I'm trying to think who the best trash talkers were because Dion used to, Deion Sanders used to come practice with us, uh, as did Terrell Buckley. I would say Terrell Buckley, he, I missed him by a year, but he was one of the best trash talkers in the game. And he kind of wanted, he aspired to be Dion. And so I think he even talked even more to try to be like him. And he's a great dude. I love him, but I would have never wanted to play against him because he chattered so much, like constantly going at it. Anybody in the pro stand out? Uh, Warren Sapp, cause Warren Sapp I played against in the Orange Bowl and he owned me and dominated me. And I guess you could say he owned and dominated me in the NFL too. And he would always let me hear about it. And the thing that was funny is when I faced him in the NFL, he always brought back the fact that they smoked me in the Orange Bowl in college. Like it was, you know, four or five years later and he was still bringing that up. He's like, you haven't changed a bit, man. You still suck. You've stuck back in the Orange Bowl. You still suck now. Like he was. A trash talker as big as it gets. Like he was in the NFL, he was the guy that was yapping the most. Because a lot of times the defensive backs, you don't hear them very much because they're on the outside, they're on the perimeter. But as somebody who's in your backfield all the time, as Warren Sapp was trying to get sacks, you could have a lot more interaction with him. So he was always chirping, always. All right, one more question that I'm going to ask him, and I have to run. And then Debo is going to take over the rest of the questions. So BD, okay. God, people with their Stoops. names. Stoops. Come on, Hannah. Stoops. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I say that, and I have, like, the worst name ever. So he says, what is your favorite dress brand shoe for comfort and style? Ooh, that's a tough one. And it's almost like, and I always rip on my wife because she likes to buy really expensive shoes occasionally. For herself? And they're never comfortable. For her. Okay. For her. And I always rip on her because I'm like, why would you want to wear it? And then we'll go out to dinner, and she's like, or we'll be in New York City, and she'll be like, we have to get a cab. And I'm like, it's five blocks. And she's like, but I'm wearing my nice shoes. And I, it's like a fight. Like, it ends up being a fight that, like, we have to get over, like, a half hour later. Mm-hmm. We have to cool off. Um, so I would say, but it's getting that way for men's shoes sometimes. Like, I like to wear nice shoes, too. Like, I like some Gucci shoes. They're way too expensive. It's ridiculous. But the best for, best for comfort and style, I would say, is Cole Haan. Like, Cole Haan had an agreement Ooh, with Nike. Where, where they have, uh, like, some air soles. And it's getting to the point now where some of the Cole Haan dress shoes, like, you go running in. Like, they're that comfy. And they still look okay. Like, there's, like, don't go for Echo. There's some brands that are just, they might be really comfortable, but they should just be a flat, hard, hard no, hard pass. I want to give, if you remember from a couple weeks ago before the holiday, Dustin in Virginia asked a question and he said he was wearing DCs and slippers and, yes. and he took our advice. He tweeted a picture at us. No way. He bought a nice pair of Adidas. <gasps> so Damn. Yo, Adidas, give us that sponsor. Let's go. Exactly. That's so exactly. cool. Oh, by far, I'm a free agent as far as shoes go. 
by far the best running shoe going right now is the Ultra Boost. Just oh, go I get just bought those for my brother. They're insane. They're expensive, but they're worth it. They were so expensive. Yeah, I wish I bought them for myself. They're the most comfortable <laughs> shoe you will ever put on to work out in. They're I just incredible. get so mad. Like this question is a great question for guys, but like it's not even possible for girls and it makes me so upset. Like there's it's, no way that we could look good and not be in pain. I'm just yeah. happy we're influencing our, our bench warmers. That's true. That's me true. Too. We're making a difference. And I bet his love life is working out a lot better too. <laughs> yeah, let's get an update <laughs> on that, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, Hannah. All right, it's I'm been out, fun. guys. Right, good Anna, luck. We'll see you. Good luck go, to the bills. Go bills. Yes. Oh, my God. I'll see you guys later. Have fun. Bye. Wedding fitting. <laughs> All right, Danny. Two more questions for you on five-star Q&A Friday. This one from Big Red Trella. I know you're a golfer. From the other day, I, I should have reacted a lot more when you said Justin Thomas should have only given you or should give you only three shots aside. That was – I should have reacted more. That's that's oh, crazy. really? Yeah. I, Why? He's a professional golfer. I I completely believe that you're a good golfer, maybe even a fantastic golfer. But three strokes aside? Yeah, I said or four. Or four. I would feel more comfortable. You know how hard, like all, you know how hard that is? He would have to have, and maybe he could because <laughs> he is a professional golfer. But if he shoots 68, which is probably a realistic proposition, I would have to shoot 76, correct? Is that, is that my math right? No. I mean, if, if you're doing side, four, if, if you're doing four, four side, side, yeah. Then I feel pretty, like that would be a really good round for me, but I think I could hang with it. Plus, I, I'm going to get in his head. Like these golfers are mental basket wow. cases. I'm going to be talking You're going to get in that time. Bama fan's head. I wonder I'm what you're going to say. I'm going to be telling them all about how half how their many, titles are fake. How many fake, fake national championships. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to be yapping in his ear all day long. He doesn't have a chance. All right. That's well, where we go with it. I, I sincerely hope that one day that happens from Big Red Trella, and maybe I doubt it you. What's your pes- best personal golf score and your favorite club? All right. So my best score is 69, which nice. I've only done once, which I'm kind of bummed about. I've shot 70 a few times. But I will say this. It's been a while since I went low because <laughs> I, I, I used to be close to scratch. But now, since I've had kids, like my handicap has basically gone up about two shots for every kid that I have, and I have three, so I'm close <laughs> to a five or a six now. Um, so it's it's um, I need to get back and go low. But my favorite club, um, that's a pretty good question because I've I've been really lucky to play some really cool clubs. Um, I liked Wingfoot. Wingfoot's a classic. It's old school, though I wouldn't want to be a member there. It's one of those stuffy ones where you have to wear a jacket, but the course is really hard, and they play the uh, U.S. Open there. It's coming back around this, uh, the cycle pretty soon. The course is epic, like, and it's really hard, and it's flawless. So I'll go with Wingfoot. That's my favorite spot. Can you share what you're doing next week? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. If you want to check out my golf game, you can actually, you'll be able to watch me on TV, which is kind of crazy because I'm going to Orlando. It's a celebrity tournament. It's the Diamond Resorts Invitational. There's going to be all kinds of celebrities. They have some LPGA players playing with us. They have senior tour players with us. And then they have other huge celebrities like myself, clearly. I'll be out there like, what am I doing out here playing with Ray Allen? You know, like, right, they have Hall of Fame caliber athletes that are going to be out there. Oh, they got uh, the Duck Dynasty. Willie Robertson's going to be there. That's probably who I'm most excited to meet. Hopefully some future podcast guests. Absolutely. I'll be getting some numbers. We're gonna... I can't be too annoying, though, so I'm going to, like, try as subtly as I can. We will make sure at Canel and Bell on Twitter to tweet all the relevant information for you to check out. Danny oh, boy. At that tournament. You, so... Make sure you clear that be- with me before you start tweeting out scores. You said it's on TV. <laughs> it is on it's TV, but sometimes if you're down on the leaderboard, you may not make the, oh. the, the leaderboard. True. I'll, <laughs> I'll hit you up. Last question here, Danny, on five-star Q&A Friday before we wrap up the show. How much do you miss former podcast guest Ryan Rossillo? Ah, that's my boy. So I miss him, man. It's like anything. We worked together for two years. We had a blast working to get, uh, together. But I think it's really cool that and soon after we had him on, he decided to move on. He's going to go out to L.A., out where I am now. He's going to chase his dreams. And it's not like I don't talk to him, though. Like, we still – I texted him last night, as a matter of fact, because I met a screenwriter that I'm going to hook him up with. So, yeah, I miss him. Oh, but, connections. Uh, you know, it's not like we don't talk anymore. So, yeah, man. So all the best at my boy, Rosillo. Nice. Sweet. 
Does that wrap us up? That's it. That wraps up, wraps up our Friday episode. Episode um, 19. Is it really? I forgot to give the episode number. That's, that's crazy. Just to make note, you can see yeah. it on our podcast logo. That's Raja's number, and he was missing oh, today. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, but episode 20 will be even better because our boy Raja is going to be back, assuming the bomb cyclone stops raining down snow uh, in New England. So thanks for checking us out. Make sure you go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, subscribe, download, check us out. Leave us that five-star review so we can get your five-star Q&A and give us some good questions. Like, I like the ones about the shoes, uh, any advice you need on other stuff. Don't ask me boring college football questions if you do that. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Canel and Bell. Our boy Devo holds it down, keeps the haters at bay for me. I'm really close to giving him access to my personal Twitter account to help wow. me in my Twitter reformation. So that might happen I soon. I don't know about that. All right. Everybody have a good weekend and enjoy the games.